Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. You know, we made mention that the announcement that Nikki Haley was running for president brought out the long knives, man. People went crazy. I mean, screaming, yelling out of their heads, just nuts. Well, she's part of the invasion of the body snatchers. You know, there are these there are these politicians on the right who now have become like mentally crazy, you know. But her problem is that, you know, not only was she a big uh, Trump supporter and like uh, she's an election denier, too, isn't she? Yeah. At one she, point, at one, one point, point she, was. she changed to flip flops on that. Yeah. But she also backed Herschel Walker, one of the worst candidates we've ever had. I mean, second only may, or second only to George Santos, maybe. Yeah. You know, and, that was uh, terrifying, yeah. actually, that she yeah. did that. So. John Fetterman is the worst candidate. The senator from Pennsylvania, worst candidate. Katie Hobbs, worst candidate. A lot worse candidates uh, than uh, than Herschel Walker out there. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. But that was just one of many, many things. This is a guy by the name of Jamie O'Grady. I don't know anything about Jamie O'Grady. Nikki Haley spends the first minute of her uh, speech, her, her introductory video, selling the idea that America isn't a racist country anymore. Kind of weird take from someone who refuses to use her actual first name, Nimrata, because it's too brown person sounding. She's called herself Nikki since she's a kid, you bigoted bastards. She calls herself Nikki. You mean one guy calls himself Steve and the next day he calls himself Loretta and if you call him Steve, it's dead naming. But she can't call herself Nikki? It's a whole... She's all of a sudden not recognizing her heritage because she uses Nikki? Do you know what kind of freak you are to say that? You're out of your head ignorant. Ignorant. What kind of madness is this Tony Katz Tony Katz today it gets worse from here in terms of the desire the desire to to attack her as a woman attack her as race politico a woman of color has become the first prominent republican to take on trump there's no doubt nikki haley the daughter of indian immigrants is a trailblazer but she's had a fraught relationship with race you mean like when barack obama was trying to tell people he was from kenya in his early days and then it became the conversation of birtherism later guy was born in hawaii it's not how some of the early books and conversations play it I have no idea if Nikki Haley tried to push herself this way or that way. I know that Elizabeth Warren claimed to be Native American and she's not. And you applaud that woman in the Senate. Then again, this is this is uh, the people of Massachusetts. They also applauded, uh, uh, what, what's his name, Kennedy. And that guy, just a murderer. Uh, there was John. There was Robert. Who's the other guy? Who's the other Kennedy? Who's the, the, the drunk murderer Kennedy? Who's, I, I, I honestly, I swear to you, for, I could pick Ted, Teddy, Teddy Kennedy, drunk murderer Kennedy. You know who I meant. 
Massachusetts has a history of voting for some really bad people. Herschel Walker didn't murder anyone. But then there was the the, the, the typical um, statements where uh, Trump just beat the living daylights out of her. Beat the living daylights out of her. Here she is uh, talking about how much she uh, respects Hillary Clinton. And here she is saying she would never run against me. And this and that, right? Politically, well, that's what you're going to do. Nikki Haley, she won't say anything but nice things about Trump. Well, first of all, President Trump is my friend. I was honored to work with him in the administration. I thought he was the right president at the right time. And that remains to be um, the truth. We had a great conversation. I told him that I was doing this because I thought it was time for a new generation. I thought we needed to leave the status quo and we needed to move forward. You know, the liberals, they love to give me a hard time. I was doing interviews yesterday. And what they don't understand is I don't have to be 100 percent Trump or 100 percent anti-Trump. That's not how I am. President Trump will tell you, I say what I think. When you're doing something right, I support you. When you're doing something wrong, I'm going to call you out for it. But at the end of the day, that's how I square it. I mean, that says lovely as you get, well, as directed as you get, and it's going to be a template that other candidates use. But man, did people come out really aggressive on Nikki Haley. Some of it could be seen as absolutely positively accurate. This happened uh, on Hannity on Fox News last night. On and around the country agreed with us today. Let me go back to my original question, though, because anybody that is looking or seeking a nomination, you're going to be comparing and contrasting your policy positions, your views, what direction you want to take the country with your competitors. Uh, right now, there's, there's former President Trump is the only other candidate uh, for the nomination. We expect many others, maybe even Mike Pompeo, who was on earlier in the program today. Where do you see, if you see, policy differences beyond what you mentioned, which are generational differences? What, what specific policy areas would you, would you say part with Donald Trump? What I am saying is I don't kick sideways. I'm kicking forward. Joe Biden is the president. He's the one I'm running against. And what I'm saying is you don't have to be 80 years old to be president. We don't need to have these same people going back again. We need something new. We need a new generation of fighters. We need people that understand whether you're American, your average American is coming from, and we shouldn't be afraid to fight for that. And that's what I'm willing to do. I'm not going to kick sideways. I don't Meaning, I'm not going to describe my differences between myself and Donald Trump. I thought it was a fine question from Sean, and she has to be able to answer that with more aplomb. That's about the politics, not about the person. The attacks on Nikki Haley have been personal. She's not brown enough for the political left. Honestly, who gives a good holy damn about these people? Not brown enough. Not proud enough to be brown enough, whatever it is they're saying. And it got, that culminated, I should say, or it got to a fevered pitch over there at CNN. Honestly, if you're driving hands on 10 and 2, oh wait, is it 9 and 3 now? It's 9 and 3 now because of the uh, utilization of airbags. And if you're a 10 and 2, your your arms have more of an opportunity to break. 
something like nine three ten and two ten and three nine and two i don't know you you drive like you need to just uh hands on the wheel holy cow this whole talk about age makes me uncomfortable i think that I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What are you that's talking about? Acor- that's not according to me. Prime for what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll say, if you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say 20s, 30s and 40s. I don't necessarily. 40s. Oh, I got another I'm not decade. saying I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that, you know, politicians aren't in their prime. I think prime we need to qualify. Are you talking about prime for, like, child-bearing? Or are you talking about prime for being president? Don't shoot the just what the facts are. Google it. Everybody at home, when is a woman in her prime? It says 20s, 30s, and 40s. And I'm just saying Nikki Haley should be careful about saying that politicians are not in their prime. And they need to be in their prime when they serve. Because she wouldn't be in her prime, according to Google, you know, Google or whatever it is. If I had ever said that about Hillary Clinton, or if you have ever said that about Hillary Clinton publicly, you wouldn't have a job today. She's 51. She's not in her prime. Wow. Don Lemon's going to have a job tomorrow. That's a mind scramble. If you think that's one, man, wait, I will get into in the next hour, Chris Cuomo. Oh, I got like a brain dump to do on that. This is insane. It, uh, never mind the the first part, which is they really are coming at Nikki Haley hard. Remember, for the political left, and, and it's true, it doesn't matter who the right runs. They're all, they are all Nazis. They're all the worst. They're all bigots. They're all racist. Because if this is the only methodology you have, this is the only one you can have. Nothing else. It's, it is exhausting. It is exhausting. But there, there's a reason these people are just so, so awful. You disagree with people on policy, not for their existence. I had no issue with Ilhan Omar, Representative Omar, when she came to Congress. Then she showed me she was an anti-Semite. And I said, oh, I had no issue with Representative Rashida Tlaib when she came to Congress. Then she showed me she was an anti-Semite. I said, oh, I had no issue with Congressman Andre Carson of Indianapolis. Then he showed me he's willing to associate with anti-Semites in terms of being friends uh, with with Louis Farrakhan. He showed me he has very, very poor judgment when we talk about the kinds of events that he's willing to participate in. And he refers to people like Rashida Tlaib, Representative Tlaib, as his sister. Oh, you showed me who you are. You showed me what you're about. I get that. And we should be perfectly clear that in all of these instances, they're the ones who laid the groundwork for the accusation factual against them. Nikki Haley has used Nikki since she's a kid. She doesn't hide the fact that she's Indian. But it's not good enough for the left? Well, who cares what's good enough for them? That's a radical thing to say. Ridiculous thing to say. 51, she can't say that other people are past their prime? Joe Biden would be 82 if he ran for re-election. You can't say he's past his prime? 
what kind of thing is this? And if you had said that about a woman, you'd be out of a job. How is it that Poppy Harlow and and Caitlin Collins aren't just beating him up over this? How are they not ripping him apart? Do you really think we are talking about prime for carrying babies? Sexual prime? Man. Did I mention the long knives? This is crazy. This is a good, good, good uh, moment for everybody else thinking about getting in the race to learn. Yeah. They're going to come after you with things you didn't even think of. That's how absolutely crazed they are. So um, uh, take, uh, take a drink, jump in, and don't worry about them. Don't. Uh, but I would uh, state that you should be very, very aggressive with them. They got to get punched a, a few times, uh, you know, uh, theoretically, if you will. Um, they got to get punched a couple times directly in the face until they learn how to act. Now, they're never going to learn how to act. It's only going to embolden them. But it's certainly better than just allowing them to say these things willy-nilly. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. This rainy day is temporary. The contrast is why we come. The sun is shining through is just a cloud. And again, if they want to talk about ways to lower the deficit, like the president has done the last two years, $1.7 trillion, the president has said, he, he said yesterday in his State of the Union address that his, uh, his, um, uh, his fiscal plan, his budget will lower uh, the deficit by another $2 trillion. Clearly, we'll have more to share on March 9th. But we won't be lowering anything, will we? Today's numbers show that. Congressional Budget Office shows that we're going to be seeing a debt that is doubled in 10 years. To 40, was it $46 trillion? So what is the president talking about through Corinne Jean-Pierre, Cringe Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Uh, just before this, press secretary talking about being dismayed, that the United States is dismayed uh, that Israel is continuing uh, expansion of settlements. And you, you must know that I don't even think they're settlements. It's Israeli land. They can build as they choose. We call them houses, maybe apartments. That's what they are. I really don't have any wiggle room on this one. But she's dismayed and upset and what a mistake. And it's an impediment to the two-state solution. No, Hamas is the impediment to the two-state solution. And if you had any decency whatsoever, you would note that. The Palestinian people being under the thumb of a terrorist organization is the impediment. I didn't realize growing up it would be so hard to speak normal for some people. Like really and truly super uber difficult for some people just to be normal. But... It is. It is. Meanwhile, the Dow is down 161. It had been down uh, over 200. Uh, NASDAQ is down about 77. The CEO of YouTube is stepping down. Is it Wojcicki? W-O-J-C-I-C-K-I. 
So she's uh, going to walk away. Ah, you made enough money. Why do you have to put up with this anymore? Just go do your thing. What do you What do you got? Like ten billion in the bank? Probably something like that. I I I think something like that. It was her garage where Google started. She wasn't she the one who rented out her garage. Yeah, I got that right. I got that right. Uh, enjoy enjoy the money. Enjoy the money. Have fun. Go live your life. Bye-bye. I swear to you, I would turn back into the White House press conference, but I, I, I press briefing, I can't. I can't I just can't I just can't be around the crazy. <laughs> it's only so much that one can take. Department of Justice not charging Matt Gates. They have said, look, we took a look at this and there's just Nothing on this sex trafficking probe for us to do here. So congratulations to the representative. He's denied doing anything wrong since uh, the beginning. It was an investigation as to whether he had crossed state lines or international borders to have sex with underage girls. Um, This has to do with, I think there was a supporter of his who was convicted uh, of of these things or at least charged with these things and somehow he got into it um involved that he was possibly involved with a 17 year old girl he had paid her travel expenses and the doj said we simply don't have anything here that we can we can do anything uh with we're, we're, we've got absolutely nothing there now, people like Lauren Boebert are saying mainstream media and late-night comedy have to apologize to Matt Gates. Do you think they care? They're not going to apologize. They don't, they don't care. They don't care about being funny. They certainly don't care about apologizing to Matt Gates. They're not going to change anything that they do, which is why we need to what? Change the channel. We cannot change whether or not people still tune in. We, we, we can't change that. We can't change whether or not people will actually listen to Seth Meyers and actually think it funny. What we can do is offer alternatives and peel away audience, and therefore try and make a cultural difference. And the people who have to get behind this stuff are those people who've got the financial wherewithal to get behind this stuff. The left is excellent at this. They give money for this, give money for that, give money for the other, put this one on here, give, make this one speaker over here, do this. The political right is always asking, well, what's my return? Uh, I'm a capitalist. But sometimes the return is you get to keep your country got to rethink the concept of return. You want people out there talking. You want people out there creating. You want people out there sharing and moving a message and giving the alternatives. The return is you get to keep the country. It's just that easy. It's why, you know, I mean, this is about a fight in the culture war. And yes, there are culture wars, and we didn't start them. And they think by us trying to stop them, we're extreme. No, no, no. 
Here's what's extreme. That's coming up next. I'm Tony Katz. I think it's imperative to note that in the conversation about transgenderism, transgender children, the idea of gender-affirming care, and the left claiming that the right is only interested in culture wars, that you, regardless of your politics, recognize that, yes, this is a culture war, yes, it matters, and no, you're not going to stay silent. Especially when you hear people in positions of power try to utilize that power to move messages that you know are harmful to you, whether it's harmful to you as a parent, harmful uh, to you as a, a friend, or harmful more as a society. And that brings us to Rachel Levine. I get that in today's world that I risk much by having these conversations so so openly, but I don't know what else there possibly is. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Guys, good to be with you. What's going on? Find everything. TonyKatz.Locals.com. TonyKatz.Locals.com. This concept of gender-affirming care is one that needs, yet again, a bit of breakdown. It once again needs to be discussed honestly and rationally Because what we are seeing and what we are hearing is not only a full-throated attack on the concept of parenting, it is an abuse of gay and lesbian Americans. Ho, 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 I'm going to do this. So to start, there's this letter sent to the New York Times. This thing is quite fascinating. It's a letter written to the Associate Managing Editor for Standards. We write to you as a collective of New York Times contributors with serious concerns about the editorial bias in the newspaper's reporting on transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming people. And you're like, what is all this about? It continues, plenty of reporters at the Times cover trans issues fairly. Their work is eclipsed, however, by what one journalist has calculated as over 15,000 words of front-page Times coverage debating the propriety of medical care for trans children published in the last eight months alone. Wait a second. Is this collection of New York Times contributors and others, it's signed by hundreds of people, stating that the New York Times when it comes to trans issues, is too right-wing? The answer is yes. That's exactly what they're saying. Some of us are trans, non-binary, or gender non-conforming, and we resent the fact that our work, but not our person, is good enough for the paper of record. Some of us are cis, and we have seen those we love discover and fight for their true selves. Others swimming upstream against currents of bigotry and pseudoscience fomented by the kind of coverage we hear protest. All of us dare say our stance is unremarkable, even common, and certainly not deserving of the time's intense scrutiny. A tiny percentage of the population they write is trans, and even smaller percentage of those face the type of conflict the Times is so intent on magnifying. There is no rapt reporting on the thousands of parents who simply love and support their children, or on the hardworking professionals at the New York Times enduring a workplace made hostile by bias 
a period of forbearance that ends today. You mean it's 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 wrong? Is is the argument that they're making that it's wrong to note that there might be a difference between children and the claims of transgender and adults? The whole concept coming under the guise of uh, gender dysphoria as described in the DSM-5, which is the manual utilized uh, by psychiatrists and mental health professionals. As thinkers, they write, we are disappointed to see the New York Times follow the lead of far-right hate groups in presenting gender diversity as, gender diversity as a new controversy warranting new punitive legislation. Puberty blockers, hormone hormone replacement therapy, and gender-affirming surgeries have been standard forms of care for cis and trans people alike for decades. Oh my, this is what they're claiming. Note they don't make a differentiation, at least as I have described it. You know, in the parts that I've read, you may read the whole letter and come up with your own thoughts. They make no difference between the child and the adult. This is exactly the problem. This is the problem that is put forward by Rachel Levine, who is the Assistant Secretary for Health for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Admiral Rachel Levine. Uh, No military history, uh, just gets the title because of the position. And Rachel Levine is a man. A doctor also. Rachel Levine is a man. Now, Rachel Levine can live Rachel Levine's life the way Rachel Levine sees fit. I don't get involved in that. I don't have to understand it. I just don't get involved in it. But Rachel Levine is not a woman. And I don't refer to Rachel Levine as she because that requires me to lie to myself and I won't do it. I refuse. The days that I used to lie to myself were the days of my depression and suicidal thoughts and I'm not going back. I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm not going back to my twenties or my thirties. My I'm not going back. I, I am able to function very, very well. I am a happy, joyous man because I found the things that I was doing wrong and I corrected them. And one of the things I was doing wrong is that I was lying to myself and lying to others. I was always lying about things big and small and, and certainly about what was going on with me. So I, I won't do it. I won't do it for anyone for any reason. And people who ask me to are uh, beneath contempt, and I just won't have them in my life. Rachel Levine can do what Rachel wants. And by the way, I have no issue with calling him Rachel. You tell me your name's Rachel, I'll believe you. I, 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 I just believe you. I don't, I don't question it. I don't argue. You, call me, you tell me your name's Rachel, I'll call you Rachel. Rachel Levine, in trying to go after, um, well, attacking Ron DeSantis, but trying to somehow make the claim uh, that gender-affirming care is the single most important thing in the world, and it's important that kids have somebody who affirms them, even if it's not a parent. One example would be the quote-unquote don't say gay law in Florida. You know, studies show that one supportive adult, one supportive adult for an LGBTQI plus kid can make all the difference in terms of, of preventing suicide, in terms of, of them being able to navigate the world and to, to adulthood and leading a, a, you know, a happy, successful, productive life. One supportive adult. I'd love if that was always the parent, but it's not always a parent. Frequently, it's a teacher um, or a guidance counselor or some other or a coach 
or another school personnel. This law forbids kids essentially from uh, from talking to 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 these people. And also, it, it means that the that if you tell a teacher, the teacher has to tell the parent. And so it really is is a gag rule. It's a gag law um, to to help that, that to prevent kids from accessing supportive adults. Now. If we're discussing this in the realm of children, the idea that you think it's wrong that a teacher communicates with the parents what's going on with the student is all the reason in the world to homeschool. To burn the public schools down figuratively and to put an end to public education. Because your argument is that the parent doesn't need to know, that the parent doesn't need to be involved. If the parent isn't supportive, it's important that somebody else fills that role. That is a destructive, radically destructive thought process. And in line with the New York Times letter or the letter that was written about the New York Times, it is not hate to note that when we're talking about children... We have an issue. Children cannot determine their own gender, and children do not have agency. But now we've got a couple hundred people writing to the Times, comparing the Times to right-wing hate groups. First of all, I don't, I don't, I don't even want to look at what they consider a right-wing hate group. Secondly, um, you think the Times is right-wing, do you? Do you know how far left you have to be to think the New York Times is right-wing? Secondly, you are advocating for the idea that children can determine their own gender. You've got this uh, assistant secretary for Health and Human Services making this same statement, and they both want to engage the idea that this is LBGTQ. Ah, the great canard. I don't know why it is that people who are gay and lesbian accept this kind of talk. I don't know why it is that others want to lump them in as if gay and lesbian Americans don't have their own thoughts, their own ideas, their own struggles, and most importantly, their own theories on whether or not they think children can determine their own gender. Because I'm willing to bet you dollars to donuts, there are plenty of gay Americans who look at transgender children and are like, yeah, this ain't cool. I'm not down for this. This is not what I signed up for. Uh, Get my letter out of the listing. And you'll note that people are never referred to as individuals. They're always referred to as LGBTQ. And for Rachel Levine, it was LGBTQI. I don't even know what the I stands for. Honestly, the, the, the letters change all the time. They are not seen as individuals with individual minds and individual souls and individual ideas and individual thoughts and individual wants and individual needs. They are seen as part of a political group that is utilized as a cudgel against anybody else. Oh, you don't believe in this? You must be a bigot against all these. Whoa. Maybe you should take that concept and shove it. Children can't determine their own gender and I don't really give a damn what you say. If you think they can, you're an abuser, and I think we should say so out loud and put your name on the front page of a paper. Wait, hold on. Nobody reads papers anymore. I guess we're going to have to do it here. You're an abuser if you think children can determine their own gender. Now, there is a, a bit of conflict with that statement, because what if you're a parent? What if you're a parent dealing with this situation? I make the claim as clear as day, I can't begin to understand 
what that is like for a parent. I do not have that issue, situation, presenting itself to me. I can state without any fear that if you are a teacher or an administrator or, or, or name the, 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 the person who's trying to hide from parents the child changing their gender, you're an abuser and you should go to jail. And when Rachel Levine makes this claim that yeah, parents aren't always supportive, so they got to find somebody else, that is trying to drive a wedge between parents and children. That is abusive, and for that, Rachel Levine should be fired. He should be fired. Because what he is discussing here is absolutely, positively abusive. This letter to the New York Times, which is, one would think, making the claim that the paper should be proactive in supporting children changing their gender. My God, I don't even know what to make except to say these are the people who consider themselves the thinkers. They consider themselves the intellectuals. And they're the ones who will take a look at you and say, why are you engaged in this culture war? You're engaged in it because they started it. And you're right. This isn't about whether you love your kids, even if they are engaging these thoughts. And I would say that it is very obvious based on the data that this isn't reality as much as it is social contagion. People doing things for attention and for love and because of confusion and uh, because of desperation and a whole host of things. I don't make the claim that it is easy as a parent. I don't, I don't, not at all. I am making the statement clearly that we don't allow children to change their gender and to allow this is abusive. Just like we don't sit idly by if somebody is hitting their children. We don't get involved in parenting too often. We try and we should be involved only in the most extreme, extreme cases. Well, I'm a believer that, that this is it. And certainly we need to be involved when you have people in the government and these uh, contributors to the New York Times saying, how dare you note that, that this is happening? How dare you state that children can't change their gender? How dare you not be in favor of other people intervening and keeping it away from parents? How dare you? And for those people who are upset, they're just engaged in a culture war. Yes, you are. A culture war you did not start. But I'm stating that you have to win. We have to win. We don't have an option. <laughs> There's no option here. It has to be won. It must be won. And as for uh, gay and lesbian Americans, man, I I'm sorry you keep getting lumped into this. I'm sorry that, that the political left has absolutely no respect for who you are as individuals. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I wish it was different. And so I make sure here uh, to state it. 
you're allowed to say, I'm not down with this when we're talking about kids. This is, this is not what I signed up for. This is not it. You're not part of some political movement. They take a letter and they decide you have to believe this and we, we speak for you here. You speak for you. I hope you know that. I'm Tony Katz. So we already saw that the wholesale prices went up 0.7% in January and they were expected to go up 0.4. But sure, sure, everything in the economy is just fine. Core increased to half a percent. Expectations were only 0.3%. And this gets coupled with a story that the Congressional Budget Office said that they expect the U.S. economy to stagnate in 2023. Unemployment rates should go to 5.1. And it was paired with a 10-year projection that publicly held debt, U.S. debt, would go to $46.4 trillion in 2033. Huh. Where, do I have it's the end of the world as we know it somewhere? I'm pretty sure I'm going to start needing that on the regular. Brutal one-two punch. The PPI, the producer price index, as we discussed with Dr. Matt Will, uh, and, and this outlook. It's not rosy. I'm not saying there still isn't money to be made in this market, in this economy. It's bad for a lot of people. And until we get the spending under control, this doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. Never mind supply chain issues and other things. We need adults. We have the Biden administration. This is Tony Katz today.